0: No possession. Lena Solmark gets his 100th victory, and the Bruins are the second-fastest team to 35 wins in a season in NHL history. They have done it in 44 games, surpassed only by the 1930 Bruins, who did it in 40. Late night.
2: WEEI, it's KJ, second hour. Thank you so much for being here. 617-779-7937. Text line 37937. You know, kind of the challenge about talking about the Bruins this year versus last year? There's no drama. I mean, rarely do you see a team do everything right that literally at a trade deadline, you're like, what do you go get? You're like, well, I guess maybe some defense. But that was so what I was looking for tonight was like, okay. It was the Islanders in the playoffs a couple years ago that really kind of exposed the Bruins on the juicy pucks, right? Like things were bouncing right there, it was put right back in there. But it's like those days are over. Like there was no juice coming off of the off of Linus tonight. None. And then when you start getting scoring from the back, <laughs> like start the playoffs now. The, the, the concern I would have is all this good feeling. All these great results, this unbelievable start, really running away with the league. I mean, they are literally teams in the league. Like, you could take San Jose's points and Anaheim's points, combine them, and the Bruins may still have more points to them. <laughs> like that's, that's literally where we are. That something doesn't happen in the playoffs where something catches up. And I don't know if you can game plan for that at the trade deadline, outside of maybe defense maybe. Like if, if somebody's leaking back, they're like, get him in there quick, get him out. But all the things that you would want outside of injury, right? Did you think Charlie McAvoy would suddenly bounce back this fast? Came back earlier than expected, and then better
3: than expected. Him and Marshan. Both ahead well, of schedule, right? Yeah,
2: right. So Marshan I thought was kind of on time. I thought he was go- I thought he was gonna be getting there. I thought McAvoy may be a little later, because they were saying I think like initially it was like early December. I thought it could have been mid-December and ended up being like the last week of of, of uh, like around Thanksgiving, just after Thanksgiving. And so, like the Bruins have just absolutely turned around everything from last year that was disastrous. I mean, just to, just just follow this. This is how different the team is. All right? Islanders scored first tonight. Last year that had been a problem. Bruins 14-16 and 3 last year. When the opponent scored first, and if they trailed after one, they were 6 15 and two. That's different now. When the opponent scores first, so what? 12 5 and two going into tonight. So make it 13 5 and two. 6 4 and one away. And now that's 7 4 1. And trailing after one, 6 3 and one going into tonight. That's now 7 3 and one. 4 and two on the road. That's now 5 and two. So much has changed. You have to give a look. There was a lot of weird feeling about the letting go of Bruce Cassidy, who thankfully he's doing very well in Vegas. It would be very interesting if Vegas is the team that comes out of the West and, you know, because the Bruins, I, this is really all setting up for Bruins, Carolina. This is what it's really coming down to. Where last year, Bruins kind of like in, gave Carolina a little bit of a fight, but Carolina just kind of muscled them. If so if there is a bit of a concern that I would worry about with the Bruins going into the playoffs is can they take the tough game into the playoffs? The finesse is great when it's night after night and different opponents each night, but can that tough game from the front line happen? I think on the back end, I think the team is good. I, I really, really do. The acquisition of uh, 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 Lampus syndrome last year—it's just been—it's just been that's been the move. Right, Because now he's been here for a full year, and yeah, the back line is solidified. The question is, will the front line be able to get physical when they need to get physical when finesse doesn't necessarily work? If you think of the very last play of last year's playoffs against Carolina, where they're kind of scrambling to get this second goal to tie it up, and you're like, wow. These guys are really now spent because they just got physically pushed around that when they couldn't get that last goal, even though that last goal was almost for the get.
3: And they wouldn't push back. You right. Know, like, it's like you got pushed around, you got kicked down to the ice, and it's like, what, what'd they do about it? There's what, no what, physicality.
2: Well, I think sometimes that's depending on the player's style of play and where they're from, right? So if you're finesse, but you're Eastern European, you may, outside of Vetchkin, you may not be that much of a fighter. But if you're a defender and you're Eastern European, you're going to be a fighter. If you're Canadian, you're probably going to be protected. If you're you're a, f- a finesser, right, somebody's protecting you out there that's been since you were a kid, you know, like, hey, you just score the goals and he'll fight for you. So some of them kind of grow up with that. And, and if you kind of have that mix of that, that can't happen. That's why there, there needs to be more American stars. Like, come on, you're prone to violence. You know what it is. Score and punch. <laughs> okay, that wasn't funny,
3: but it might be a little bit true. Look at Tom Wilson.
2: Yeah, exactly. Right. Great example from two years ago. Tom Wilson was just able to just kind of get under the skin. Wasn't so much under and I mean, the skin. I mean, I think
3: he's a dirty player. That's, I mean, that's just no doubt about well, it. Well, yeah, but, you're going to yeah.
2: feel like he's a dirty. Yeah, Tom, Tom Wilson has shown clear elements of being a dirty player. But at the same time, also knowing how to set the tone, even the Islanders two years ago, Remember when they complained to the league, they're like <laughs> and what did they do? They got physical and everything changed. Yeah. Yeah. So so that's the only thing. Like the record is great, the feeling is great. The love is great. The whole thing with pasta hasn't been a disruption. Even with Jake Debrusco out, and I don't I, I you would hope that he's back in time for the playoffs, but you know, when you start talking about lower body injuries, stuff like that, it, the ability to just be able to get on the ice and be effective. You don't know how long that's going to be, and still things seem to be all right. It just like, I guess I'd have to say the only concern I would have is what happens when you get in front of a tough team in the playoffs, and that might not happen until the Eastern Conference Finals. And I think the Eastern Conference Finals, it'll be the Bruins, it'll be the Hurricanes 1-2. It might be better than the Stanley Cup, and it might be the best series you've seen in probably five or seven years. Why five or seven? Because they're odd numbers. 617-779-7937. Text line 37937. Um, we'll get to John here shortly when we talk football, but more Bruins here right now. Um, yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing that what there's nothing really that needs to be changed. I don't know. You don't tweak anything. You would tweak something when you see that there's an issue and something's wrong. And I don't see anything wrong beyond injuries then you know that you just can't control a part of the game you know felino stepped up you know like we're really going oh, to have a discussion
3: deal with the devil. i don't know what he's i don't know what he's on but yeah. that, he's a totally different guy than last yeah. year. uncle nick i right. Right. love like, uncle nick right
2: like literally because the team is so good you're having a conversation about a guy who's on the fourth line you know gets gets to move up because of debrusque's injury
3: and it's kind of a leadership thing too it's not right. just on the ice. It's, um, what In was the, it, a couple a of couple weeks At the ago? Winter Classic. At the yeah, Winter Classic yeah.
2: after the second uh, he intermission.
3: To have the, he was like, can I just have the room? Yeah. And then, like, yeah. And then, you know, it's like, sure,
2: Journeyman. That. Right? Like, go ahead, Journeyman. Say what you want to say. It's on your chest. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Y- you know?
2: So, again, I, the, the, like I said, I can't have any concerns about the Bruins until yeah. you get to the playoffs. And that's when the real test will happen, I think. Like, even if the Bruins have, like, a two game slippage here, there's so much space. They can afford it. Yeah. Right. You like last year. I remember I was kind of chiding. You know, I did a parody called uh, "Maple Leaves Have Always Been Losers," especially if you're younger than 55, because like no one under, under 50 has ever known the red, uh, the the blues, uh, the the maple leaves. I'm sorry. I said the Blue Jays, the Maple Leaves, to win anything. And what happened? I did that parody. Toronto came in kind of choked the life out of the Bruins, and went on their run. So I stay away from making fun of the Maple Leafs. Stay away from it. But we'll see what happens in the playoffs. All right, 617-779-7937. Text line ninety Let's go to John in the car. Uh, something about the Patriots. Go ahead, John. You're on the air.
0: Yeah, hey, KJ. Good to talk to you. Uh, real quick on the Bruins. Like, I guess for me, like they haven't won anything since 2011. So call me when they get out of the second round. Like, that's... Like that's what my expectation now is for this team, especially if it's a winner, winner, go home. Well, if they play like, Carolina, you know, then it. I'll call you. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Right, yeah, call, be call me when they beat them. Okay, I'm out. I'm out until then. But hey, you know I love the uh, the Colin Coward clip that you played uh, going into your uh, your Patriots talk last hour cause that kind of stuff cracks me up. Like. Colin starts going off about, you know, his, his talking point that Bill is like some senile old man who can't, you know, manage a, uh, a football program anymore. Yeah, it's a lazy and narrative. He starts yeah. talking about things, and he starts talking about stuff, that he, and then he actually is factually incorrect. I know he was talking about the offense and that being like the blind spot, but if he's going to say, oh, like, oh, well, you know, how, what's the last time that Bill drafted an All-Pro? What well, was last year? It was Marcus. It's Marcus Jones. Like last year, he literally drafted him, and now he's an All Pro. So yeah, I think I he's that, talking,
2: that, that, He that. was saying he was saying on the offensive side of the ball where I defended Bill, saying Nikhil Harry was the right pick at that time. Right. And and Sony oh, Michelle did help. He, Sony Michelle does own a Super right. Bowl ring. Sony,
0: you're you're absolutely right. The Sony Michelle pick is hilarious when people try to like straw man argument how terrible he was. It was like, wait, he did win a Super Bowl, right? He did he wasn't on that team. So I, it's just like people Want to call Bill like the old senile old man, but at the same time they still want to give credit to people like you know Nick Casario, and they want to give credit to like Thomas Dimitrioff all back when. But then like when it comes time to say like oh Bill's senile and he can't run a program and like he can't do the front office, he gives it Right? He's got he's got Al Groh's son is running the front office. Also Matt Patricia when he came back, he was making all those de- he was making deals left and right. He wasn't the offensive coordinator yet, so it's just. These stupid points, even the, the call there, Polly was bringing up. It's like you're not even like actually correct in some of these straw man arguments that you're making about you know senile Bill. So,
2: hey John, thanks for the call. Have a great evening, man. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, players still come, and we'll get to more Patriots here in the next break. But players still come to play defense for Belichick, right? They, like I grew up watching Belichick. I actually have a Harry Carson jersey as part of my collection. One, because he graduated from South Carolina State and it's going against my North Carolina AT Aggies. But two, like the dominance of Lawrence Taylor and all those defenses and everything that you talk about, that's Belichick's architect. And his his arm reaches back to the mid eighties when it comes to defense. So defensive players, you know, look at him as the guru, but happens to be the head coach. Now, I think what's also changing in the NFL is that look. A lot of head coaches now are offensive guys. You know, you used to primarily have the defensive coach to maintain discipline. You know, deal with dudes who are like, you know, I don't know speeding out of the parking lot. Like, dude, you you just finished practice and you drink a fifth. Like, you know, that's why you have a defensive coach, right? Because the offensive guy's like, well, you know, if if he's gonna perform, he's gonna. Pre-. The defensive coach is like, no, I'm calling your parents and you're fired. So that element of Belichick is still there. Not so much of the guy driving off and stuff like that. But I think in terms of the modern game, there there should probably be some yin and yang where, take a chance, Bill. It's like uh, sometimes when I tell my dad, who's in retirement now, man, just get up and go out of the country. You got a passport. You'll be fine. Go, just go see something different. And maybe that's what Bill could do. Like, hey, this his last great move is getting an offensive mind that turned everything around. And then that will be the conversation because, there's no more Tom conversation really after the other night. There's not. There's not. 617-779-793-7... Uh, I'm talking about what I'm going say next. 3793-7 text line. Next, we talk about the Celtics' big game coming up against the Warriors and some of the comments from Draymond Green. But right now, it's time to trend with Andrew Meehan.
1: Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
0: You are listening to WEEI late night on
3: WEEI.
0: and streaming everywhere on the Odyssey app.
2: Boom. Boom. Late night WEEI it's KJ Carson. Thank you so much for being here middle of the week. Not some big storm coming. I mean, there. I gotta give it to you. There, there are a couple of weather announcers. I have to be very politically correct when I say this. Who, when they see there's an emergency, I'm like, yes, I'm ready. An emergency. Oh my god, you look so good telling me that. I won't say who they are, but they do weather here. Yet tomorrow is the rematch of a game that I think will have the eyes of the entire NBA. Warriors are in town. Remember the Celtics on Saturday night, a month ago, lost that game out on the road, looked kind of bad, left a bad taste in the fan base's mouth, all because you feel like, okay, this is who beat you for the NBA Finals, even though I don't think the Celtics, who I think will get to the NBA Finals again, will not face the Golden State Warriors. They've just got too big of a hill to climb up. It would be one of the greatest comebacks in the season. Or Phoenix. <laughs> Phoenix would be really the one rising from the ashes at this point. But out pups its head comments recently from Draymond Green to ESPN saying that he recalled hearing racist taunts from Celtics fans last June during the NBA finals. Said it's stuff that he had never experienced before. Quote, you usually have situations where people talk crazy, but not the entire arena. You'll have a situation where an entire arena will boo you, but not what the Boston fans were doing. So it was just a different situation that I'd ever seen. It took a little while to adjust to. It was just so unexpected. Caught me off guard. End quote. You know, sometimes, you know, look, first thing I'll say is I can't say what the man heard or didn't hear, but I can tell you, like, if they say you suck or they use expletives, that's not necessarily racist. Now, if they called you a racist name, you should say what the word is that they said to you not the politically correct one but the exact one if that's the way you're going to go because you could have been called a lot of things you could you could have been called every adjective that starts with f that you can think of that's still not racism but if they called you the exact word you need to say the exact word they called you. Because if you can't, that's when people doubt what you say. I know that's a, I know people like, okay, what are you talking, listen to me. If they called you that word, you need to repeat the exact word they called you. Not an acronym, not a dash, not a hyphen, the word. See, people use images from 70s busing, Charles Stewart case, all these things to push a narrative that I I believe is Hollywood. I believe it's Hollywood who's like, okay, well, they're not going to give us our funding for any money for our movies anymore. We've got to change the narrative. Now, I will say this. The wrong response is it happens everywhere. The idea is to sell the narratives and the stories that are part of Boston's history. I'm not even going to get started on the statue that looks like something out of the AVN Awards, depending on how you look at it, where great American stories. As much as we celebrate people dying for this country, the very first brother to die for America was here in Boston. And they even have, because they say, well, you know, four of the people died that day. The coroner back then said that he died first, and there was about a 16-minute difference between the other four. So Crispus really did die first. Or Josiah Henson, having those meetings in Framingham, telling his stories of what it was to be the actual real-life Uncle Tom from Uncle Tom's cabin. Happened in this area. But when you don't share that history and make it part of the fabric, people can get away with saying, oh, well, they called me this hyphenated word. They feel like they won't have to say the whole word because somehow it's believable, it's accepted, it's expected. True story? I was working for another station that was inside this company at the time and had a conversation with the leadership of this station at the time. And I said, you know, Atlanta's a strange place. I lived in Atlanta, but Atlanta will openly let you know that on Friday night, this is who we want at the club. Saturday night, this is who we want in the club. And say VIP service on Friday night? Oh, man. We'll give, we'll, we'll give you a booth for 10 people and a, and a complimentary bottle. On Saturday night, you're going to have to spend at least $500 in bottle service. And each one of your 10 people will all have to pay $100 to sit in that same booth that people sat for free in the night before. I told this person in the office, if that happened in Boston, there would be a second tea party. throwing They, they would shut things down and have a conversation. So why do players get away with saying this stuff about here? Because they don't live here. Now, I'll give you a great example. When there was a video of when some people were saying some stuff to Kyrie Irving going back into the locker room. It was some very aggressive stuff, but it wasn't racist. But it was so aggressive that Kyrie cursed back at him. Andrew, did you see this video?
3: Uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, I've I've seen... Majority of all the Kyrie stuff because we've been here with you know the Brooklyn Nets we've been in the same position with you know with them with Kyrie and even uh, Kevin Kevin Durant
2: right now does this place have its history of incidents? Oh, absolutely, of course. But I'm not going to sit here and say, well, other places have it too. That's not the way to go. The -hmm. way to go is say what you said to him. If he says that this is what you said. Somebody's going to have it, but if you just said, oh, they said racist things to me, what were the words you have to say them? Because just the same way that if you're trying to bring a very powerful statement about a place, you should be able to say exactly what they said to you. Because if they just called you something with an F word and a loser in there and you, you, you 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 do this particular sounding thing that starts with an S. I'm really trying to keep this as clean as possible without saying the words, right? But they don't say anything about your color or they're not calling you something less than a man. If they're calling you a monkey or something like that, that's a problem. But you need to say, that's the word they called me. Not just some generality. Because then... You would be, it would be on your conscience to know, okay, if these are the exact words that were said to you, then at least you said exactly what the words were said to you. Not some kind of general cover said, oh, they said racist things to me. Like you may think, hey, you suck. In your mind, may think that's racist. It's not. I've been fortunate enough to have an upbringing where I've graduated from a historically black college. I was this close to dating Jesse Jackson's daughter. This close. But I've also been in situations with Fortune 500 CEOs. Some of these players, emotions are more on their sleeves than what goes on. Now, I would... If, if Draymond makes more statements and maybe someone plays this for him, get on camera, say the words that are racist that were said about you so that way it comes out of your mouth and it's not hidden behind a general term.
3: All right, to the game.
2: Woo! Sometimes you figure, out how do you swim out of 15 feet deep water and you got cramps?
3: Well said. Well said, Casey. You. You, you,
2: you, 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 you really risk it all, you know, when, when you go there, but...
3: No risky,
2: no an, biscuit. Well, well, there's no biscuits right now. I'm fighting for jelly these days. <laughs> uh, but 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 seriously, you know, if if this is all part of a strategic play, that's not the move. That's not the move. You know, I come from a school that was land granted because they finally decided that the children of slaves could finally get education. That's what that's what a lot of HBCUs is about. That the state's decided, okay, they can get some higher education now. My school's not even 200 years old. There's nowhere close to 200 years old. To the game. The Celtics must win tomorrow night. One, to keep the winning streak going, but two, this is a statement game. I think it was you, it might have been either you or Joe that posed to me, what were the most important games And I said, really, the bookend of the Nets games. But they took care of the Nets game. They did Charlotte the way they needed to do Charlotte. They didn't make Charlotte look like an Orlando game. And this is the game where you say, okay, this isn't the same team you saw last month or a month and a half ago that you're going to embarrass on TV. It's your turn to get it. The Warriors have been down at the White House. They're doing their thing and all that stuff like that and so forth. Yeah, come come to Boston. Here it is. It's going to be as loud as the NBA Finals was. Golden State, you know, out there in, in 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 San Francisco, kind of rolling to the game late, kind of hanging, chilling. Yay! Like the whole vibe of what it used to be like when they were in Oakland, where they would go crazy. Now in San Francisco, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm trying out this rideshare app that I just created and couldn't fix the bugs in it. So sorry I'm late. No, here, uh-uh. One of the higher-priced tickets you're going to pay for for the year. You're going to see some obligatory sports figure near the sidelines. It's just what they do. I am kind of with Kyrie like, hey, where's like the KJs that are down there? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm not. But it's going to be such an intense game, and it's going to mean a lot for the psyche of this team saying, all right, we don't want to hear any narrative about, wow, you're doing all these things, but at the end of the day, When Golden State comes around, you still can't beat them. And you don't want to give Golden State any hope, any hope, moving forward as they're trying to get out of their doldrums, which has been their entire season. 617-779-7937. Text line 37937. KJ, late night here on WEI. So look, the Celtics have won seven in a row, looking to win eight. And if they can do this, then you would have to say, This is a team that would be possibly five games clear of Milwaukee. And now you would put all those middle teams, 76ers, Brooklyn, Cleveland, uh, all in this fight, and Milwaukee, all in this fight for position as you continue to roll yourself. You know, Celtics probably should lock down some defense. I, I, I do worry about Andrew Wiggins tomorrow night and who will be able to stay up with him. Um, but I think the Celtics have put themselves in the correct position. Even the talk of Jacob Poto potentially being an acquisition for this team, which is what I've been saying, you know, like before, like back in November, like if there was one thing the Celtics probably could stand to do is find size that would come off of the bench that isn't dependent on scoring, but can get your rebounds, eat up minutes, be able to continue to keep a minutes restriction on Robert Williams, not have to push him too far. And with that rotation with Al Horford, you know, Al Horford's not 25, but man, some nights Al looks like he's 25 all over again wearing a Hawks jersey. So the Celtics, I like where they're sitting. I think tomorrow night's game is going to be um, very enjoyable and very disappointing for Golden State, who are a 500 team, and sit at the seventh spot in the West. I mean, the West is just—it's—it's it's totally different. If I told you Sacramento, right now, would be would would, would have at least two home series <laughs> in the Western Conference playoffs, you'd be like, huh? So things are changing out there. Golden State's fighting to hang on, while the Celtics really need to make the statement against the team. Treat them like a five hundred team, and not as the team that you lost the NBA Finals to. All right, six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven text line three 37- seven. 93.7, KJ, late night, WEEI. Adam Duvall is the latest Red Sox acquisition. One year, $7 million. Um, has had some wrist injuries, right? So I'm thinking, all right, so then where do you play him in the outfield? Because left field isn't not like every other left field, and center field is not like every other center field. Right field is even a challenge, right? Like, right, so... You're like, okay, you got your sheet and he's new out there. Do you trust him to handle the wall? And you would probably say you'd have to find that out early on because he's not a center fielder. Then you say, okay, well, Verdugo, he doesn't play center. You could put him in right, you could put him in left, but you probably have to keep him right. And if you put Duvall in center, you're like, okay, while his speed has been okay and still maintained, <sighs> keep Kike out there somehow. So really, this Duvall acquisition almost forces another move that has to be made to get a bona fide shortstop so that way you can at least keep someone out in center field who knows how to navigate it. Like, what Kike has done, really learning on the fly after JBJ was gone and then came back, and you thought, okay, they brought JBJ back to probably play some outfield out there, and you really didn't use him that much, that you are able to move him on in the 200 batting average. That you're like okay, the Duvall move. I don't hate it, right? Because it's good value. You know, like his his projections have him at like 21 home runs this year. I was like, that hasn't happened in a couple of years.
3: Yeah, I mean, you probably have your designated hitter. Yeah, I mean so, before before he missed, I think like half the season last year because that wrist injury in 2021 when he well he won a Gold Glove, but he also had right. 38 homers and drove in like 113 runs. So You're making up for your offense,
2: right? So you 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 have two schools of thought there, right? One. If you allow him to be more of a primary hitter, D.H. role, could some of those power numbers come back? Or when he plays the field, you might have to put him in right field to play right center shadowing to help out with whoever's in center, Who, if it's Kike, right? Because you're still looking at maybe Elvis Andrus as short. Jose Iglesias is still out there. So, you know, I again, none of them can pitch. <laughs> like that. That's still the number one thing in front of where are you beefing up on the front end of the of the of the rotation? Did Zach? I think did Zach Greinke actually sign somewhere yet? Yeah, because at this point, you have to say how is Zach Greinke at least not on the radar in terms of getting somebody on the front line who can eat up some innings? Yeah, you might take a bit of a chance in terms of you know some of the injury bug that's hit him over time you know, over the last couple of years, but would be better than what you have so far sitting up there. And you just don't know, you know, what's going to be the availability of Chris sale until he's out there. Right. And then once he gets out there, you know, you, you cross your fingers. Yeah. Zach Greinke still out there. Trevor Bauer. I think a couple nights ago, if you missed it, which you probably did, that's why the Odyssey app is great. Just type in W E E I. You can hear old shows is that I don't think the Trevor Bauer acquisition would play well from a media standpoint here in Boston. Right? He would he would answer so many things you would need. He's only 32. He's got great stuff, but he's got a bigger social issue that he would have to constantly be asked about, and that would be the ultimate distraction. Like you're already a team that might be 500 and now you've got to worry about this picture being asked about stuff about the pitcher on his off day. He's almost kind of like, hey, on your off day, don't don't come. You know, work out at home, do it by Zoom or something. You know, even maybe someone like, <clears throat> oh gosh, uh, Matt Harvey. You say, okay, Matt Harvey, not quite 34 years old. Maybe this is a guy that you bring in for spring training. And maybe that's what Haim what is thinking. Let these guys sit, 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 nobody pick them up and then invite them to spring training and then work from there. If that's the move, then that's a smart move. Right, because you have to. Well, you sign James Paxton last year, and he gets hurt right after you sign the the option extension, on you be like, "Oh my gosh!" So you don't want to get yourself into a situation where you're signing somebody, they're hurt, they're on the hook, and they're not on the hump. So if that's if that's if you you might have like a who's who, a kind of a little mini's who's who. You might have Chris Archer in camp, Zach Greinke invited to camp, you know. Get these guys on minor league deals, and if they show that they got the stuff and you like what they can, if you know that they can give you a good solid four and two-thirds or five innings, then maybe you take that flyer because your back end of your bullpen looks much better. You have an anchor. You even have a setup potentially in Matt Barnes. So you have two things to handle the back end. So now you have all these guys that can contribute to innings, you know, six, seven, five, six, seven, which was the big problem last year. So as critical as I've been of, of Heimblum, and, and I think this is kind of one of those seasons where, okay, well the Trevor Story thing really hurt. You know, it's like, you know, he's he's got to come back and be like almost like the bionic man with that arm. Like Story chases it all the way down to the corner in left field and throws him out at first. You know, like, okay, the elbow's fixed. So that put, a bit, uh, that put a big dent in things and that still be de- to be determined moving forward because if Trevor Story comes back and doesn't give you what you expect out of Trevor Story, you would have to wonder, like, is there value in moving him? Like, yeah, it would be to you, but would the other team see value in, in taking up that contract? Maybe a little more now because now guys have signed for astronomical numbers and Trevor Story's number doesn't look as crazy as some of the new numbers. But when you're talking about you know, really, Raphael Devers your only star bat in the lineup. Everybody else is kind of like role players. It's going to be a tough season. It is. But the idea, I think, is find out who would be good role players to carry over into 24 when you make your big run on probably an A-line pitcher who could also play outfield on his days off, just saying, and probably another big bat. Like, I really think the Red Sox are a year away from, like, okay, this is the Dombrowski throwing money up in the club, spending Red Sox again. Because when you start moving pieces that you got in an acquisition, like Jeter Downs and Seabold is gone, and you start moving some of those pieces, you're kind of saying that some of these pieces that were on the farm aren't necessarily working out, and you can go ahead and start moving on from them. All right, we wrap up Late Night with K.J. Carson here on Weei next. responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois.
3: Listen to every MLB
0: game live. The deep left center field, it is
1: high, it is far, it is
3: gone.
0: Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader.
3: And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month.
2: Deep left field, it's gonna go! Alvarez!
3: subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.
0: WEEI Late Night on
3: W-E-E-I. WEEI.
0: Save us as a favorite on the Odyssey app and take Boston Sports Original everywhere you go.
2: Oh. 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 Yeah, ladies let that rock, Andrew. Andrew. See this. Late uh, night. This, this is exciting, ladies and gentlemen. WEEI is <laughs> oh. KJ. Oh. The show's real stupid at this time of night. Thank you so much for hanging out over the last hour and 50 minutes. You missed any of the show. Odyssey app is free. Type in W-E-E-I. Talked about Belichick and what's going to happen in terms of this offensive coordinator search that maybe... All the concentration on Bill O'Brien isn't going to get you the results out of Mac Jones. Uh, You heard a comment from Dan Orlovsky, who was on the station earlier, saying, look, Mac wants it done a certain way, which just kind of chaps my head like, "Hmm, what do you mean, your way? Uh, Also talked about the Celtics' big game tomorrow night, coming up against the Warriors. Might want to hear some of that. (laughs) I might have to play some of that back before a phone call comes tomorrow. KJ, it's Mike.
3: Uh, KJ doesn't live here. (laughs) Click. Wrong number. Who? Wrong number. R- wrong number. Boss. As my generation would say. Yeah,
2: right. He's a wrong number. You know. Oh, no. Now here's the new thing. Oh, you know, I have it. I have the unknown number kind of like switched on my phone, so it just it just went ahead to voicemail. I didn't get your voicemail. Yeah, it doesn't go to voicemail. It just dumps it. <laughs> it, it does. Look, <laughs> the big story really in the state, in the area, and to some parts of the country is the arrest of Brian Walsh in the alleged murder of his wife, Anna Walsh. I only say alleged because he has not been convicted yet. But the way sleuths have been going on and on about it, there is something that I read reading The Globe earlier today, like his attorney says something very key. Because so many people have an opinion about it and have discussed it so long and so often where are you going to find a jury that has had no clue about this? Right. Have you ever heard anything about this case? Yes. Dismissed. I'm thinking that they're going to have to move this case to like Pittsville or North Adams. Somewhere remote, get some local town folks. You know, some of those people on the other side of the Berkshire's like, I don't believe in cable television. We fought for years to pretend them from digging through here. Those might be the people that, that might be where the trial is. It it just I just because it's it's I mean the stuff is fascinating. I I've rarely seen where a situation like this happens and people are discussing, or in the media at least, what he was alleged to have done. In terms of his searches on google and stuff like that it's fascinating i think that's why people are fascinated
3: by the searches on his kid's ipad yeah quite, you know quite literally like dad get, give it back give it back can you get in trouble if uh for murder if there's no body It's like yeah you know, you know, know like I'm dude sorry, you should have like, just, you, just
2: google? you should you should just continued to play fortnite i i know parents don't like paying for that app but yeah it's just the sad story all around for the children seeing them taken out of the home yeah, yeah. and and just all the different things that have just played out it's I don't know. It's kind of the the kind of macabre, sick, but yet informative nature of here that people want to have an opinion about it and openly share it and discuss it. You've heard it everywhere. I mean, sometimes I was just like, "Will Will Greg and them discuss a score of a game?" Stop talking about that damn case, you know. But but seriously, yeah, I don't see how this case can be tried anywhere. East of Springsfield. There's no way. This has got to be on the other side of the world in Massachusetts. Like you'd have to you couldn't even you like you couldn't even take it up to Haverhill, right? You, you couldn't even take it, you couldn't go that way. They'd be like, oh yeah, we we get all the channels right here. We get all the Boston channels. You're literally gonna have to take you can't. you couldn't take it to Springfield because now you're getting you know what I mean? Like you can't take it down there in that south because the Hartford area is gonna know about it. You literally have to take this. Somewhere off of 90 and then go for like 15, 20, 30 miles.
3: Every media outlet is covering it. From now Every, it was on NBC Nightly News tonight. It's everywhere.
2: Right. You gotta be on the you gotta be somewhere in Massachusetts where they say, you know, we're closer to Albany than we are to Boston. Because I don't know how there's going to be anybody who doesn't know or have an opinion about the case. I mean, look at it. I'm discussing it right now. I've just waited a while. You know what I mean? Like, I kind of wait a while, like, wait for things to really happen. Like, okay, dude got arrested and has been charged. So now that's when things kind of start to step up in the situation. You know, I'm not going to be one of those who too, I, this is what potentially happened. I, I don't get into that sleuth stuff because I don't know if I ever told you this, but a girl that I graduated from high school has been featured on, like, Forensic Files. She's actually known as the Chesapeake Suitcase Killer. Girl, really? Yes, a girl named Melanie. Well, I know her as Melanie Slate, but she goes as Melanie, Melanie McGuire. That's her name. That's her, Melanie McGuire. Allegedly, even though she's been in jail now for over a dozen years, um, was having an affair with her boss. Uh, was ready to leave. Had some issues with her husband. He was gambling down in Atlantic City. Suddenly gets missing. His body parts show up in two different suitcases down in the Chesapeake Bay. I used to eat lunch with Melanie like every day in ninth grade. She did have this little sinister thing. If you say something smart, she'd be like, eh, eh, eh. <laughs> little did I know. So it'll be interesting. This case is going to be, this thing, take a ride out to North Adams. Hopefully you get one of the four seats in the local courtroom because that's where it's going to be. All right, talk to you tomorrow night. Remember, follow Twitter at WEEI at KJ Carson. Have a great Wednesday night. We we'll do it again tomorrow. See you.